How many is glad to be in the house tonight? I've been looking forward to this night. I do have something that that's from the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and start reading in Romans chapter 7. I'll give you a second to turn there. Um, I want to thank my, my pastor for this opportunity to speak to you. I don't take it lightly. To stand behind this sacred desk and for me to be able to speak into your lives is is an honor. Uh, also, I want to thank my wife. My wife is uh, she's my helpmate. I couldn't do a lot of things without her. But Romans chapter seven, and we're going to start in in, cha- in verse twenty one. We're going to kind of skip around tonight, but we're going to start in verse 21. And Romans 7, 21 says this. It says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And Paul says this, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he goes on and he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. How many is glad to be under grace tonight? When you just stop and you think about the mercy and the grace of God, you you could sit and you could ponder that all day long. It's much deeper than what we can comprehend. God's love and His mercy endureth forever. Before I go any farther, let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you, O God. God, we magnify you. We glorify you. Lord, open our hearts that we might receive the word. Lord, to leave not the same way that we came in, but to change. Lord, to be pleasing to you, to walk uprightly before you. God, open our ears. Lord, and bless my lips, God, that I can speak what you would have me to speak. Lord, clearly and effectively. Lord, I thank you, and I love you. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we take a look at Romans, and I love the book of Romans because there's a lot of practical stuff in the book of Romans. You can read it, and it just lays it all out for you. 
And from somebody with, with such tenure as Paul, writing three-quarters of the New Testament, we can learn a lot by just little passages, just, just each chapter of the epistles that Paul wrote. And tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about, about sin. And I know, big shocker, we're talking about sin at church. But I propose to you tonight that there's a little bit more than what meets the eye to sin. And I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to read. We're just going to pick apart Romans 7. It says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the women which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law. Of her husband. It says, So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she be called, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also become dead to the law by the body of Christ. So through, through crucifixion of Christ and through his blood, the law we become dead to. It says that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. See, when salvation takes place and, and we're buried with him in sin and we raise with him in power, we enter this covenant with, with Christ. We're no longer bound by the law, and, and the law is good because it reveals a lot of things. It reveals what is right and what is wrong. And if it wasn't for the law, we would be lost. The law is like a map. It shows you exactly where you're at, and it shows you what to steer clear from, and it shows you what to strive for. But through salvation and taking on his name, we enter this covenant with Christ. And from that day forward, we should be striving to be pleasing to Christ. It says, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth the fruit unto death. So without salvation... We're just generating sin. We're just living in sin. But it's by His blood, it's by what, he, what happened at Calvary that we can enter this covenant and that we, we are saved. Through what happened at Calvary, we can live a holy life. With His Holy Spirit, we can be led by Him and not by a law. The law is good and it reveals things to us that we need to know. But we, we would be lost if we weren't led by the Holy Ghost. We have to be led by the Holy Ghost. I don't want to ever go to a church that's not spirit-led. We have to be spirit-led. 
It says, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, and we should serve in the newness of spirit, and not in the old oldness of the letter. How many is thankful for the Holy Ghost? The newness of the Spirit to lead us and to guide us. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? And Paul says, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. So right here, Paul tells us that the law does reveal, in fact, what is sin and what is not sin. And if we go on a little bit farther, he says, But sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of conspicuousness. For without the law, sin was dead. So Paul tells us without the law, we didn't know what was right and what was wrong. See, we were sinning against God without even knowing what we were doing, but because of the law, God reveals it to us. And the law is a two-edged sword because little known, little required, but when the law is revealed, we can start living to a higher standard. We understand what pleases God and what does not please God. And we have to take that serious. We have one shot, and, and you all heard it before, we have one shot to make heaven. And if we miss it, we just miss it. We can't afford to play games. We can't afford to take this lightly. We have to be serious about, about what Christ says. It says, For I was alive without the law once. How could that be? Because... Paul didn't understand what sin was without the law. So he could live however he wanted to and not realize what was sin. It says, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion... By the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. So with the law, Paul realizes that he's not pleasing to God. And when we read Scripture, the Scripture reveals to us that what's pleasing to God and what is not pleasing to God. And thank God for Scripture. Thank God for the book that we base our lives on. Thank God for, for the word, for the, the manual to life. If it wasn't for Scripture, we wouldn't know what's right and what's wrong, and we could be trespassing the Lord all day long. We could do it every day of our lives and never even realize it. But with Scripture, it reveals to us what's right and what's wrong, what's sin and what's not. It says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin working, death in me by that which is good. 
that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. So it's not the law that's playing against Paul here. It's sin in his life. And sin, Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So through sin, we have nothing but death. But thank God for a better way. Thank God for for Him going to Calvary for us. Thank God for Him thinking enough about us to reach down and save us from our pitiful little mess here on earth. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And then Paul, he, we got to pay attention here because it gets kind of confusing. We're going to read it slow. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate... That do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I understand I run a risk of people misunderstanding me tonight, but please don't misunderstand me tonight when I say that It's not you, but the sin inside of you. That is not a license to sin. That is not a license to turn your your cheek to sin in your life. But I'm here to tell somebody tonight that sin has a living aspect about it. When sin is in your life in one aspect, it's very easily, it's able to bleed over into other aspects of your life. So sin we can have no part of. We have to get rid of sin completely in our lives. Because sin will come in and it will destroy people. It will destroy families. It will destroy churches. It will destroy anything that it comes in contact with. Because the wages of sin is death. (laughs) Through salvation in Christ, we are accountable for living to a higher standard than what the world is. And that's not to say that we're better than the world because we are not better than the world. We are just sinners that that have found truth. But we have to live like we found truth. It's not good enough to go to church on Sunday and you live like the world the rest of the time. We have to be striving to get sin out of our lives completely. Anything that can lead to sin, we need to get away from it. We should have no part in sin as a church. The church should have no delight in sin. I don't care if that's talking bad about people. I don't care if that's going places that you know you shouldn't go. I don't care if that's saying things that you shouldn't say. If that's dressing how you shouldn't dress, we should have no part in sin as the church. Because we are called people of God. We are his children and we are expected to live to a higher standard than the rest of this world. I pray that I never, 
I pray that I never am displeasing to God. I pray that, I, that in everything that I do, it reflects the goodness of God. That's, that's a really small thing to ask of us, considering that he went to Calvary for us. And he died a death for us. And he shed his blood for us. That's a small thing to ask. And I'm here to tell somebody, if, if you miss heaven, you're going to wish that you would have paid this small price here on earth. It says, Now then, it is no more that I do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. We have to understand that there's nothing good in our flesh. People say, listen to your heart. But my Bible tells me that my heart is a deceitful thing. And I can't listen to my heart because I can't trust my heart. I have to trust God. I have to trust Scripture. I have to make a judgment call based on what God says, not what my body says, not what my flesh says, because my flesh will lead me down a road that I don't want to go down. And my flesh, at the end of the day, will destroy me. But if we just follow Scripture, we let Scripture draw the lines in our life, then we can, be, we can rest assured that we're going to be safe and we can be pleasing to God and that we can be upright before God. You cannot trust your heart. You can't trust your flesh because there's no good thing that dwelleth in your flesh. Because we are born into sin and we are shaped in iniquity. And it's only by His stripes that we're redeemed. It says, For the good that I would, would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Well, why is that, Paul? Because sin has a living aspect about it. Whether you like it or not, if sin's alive in your life, you're going to do some things that you wish you never would have done. So it's our job and it's our duty to get sin out of our life in every aspect. He says, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more that I do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. And then we're going to reread what I read at the beginning of my message. It says, I find then a law that when I would do good, Evil is present with me. I'm not saying that it's easy. And I'm not saying that you're going you're gonna to struggle with it because you will struggle with it. But if, there, if you don't find evil present with you, trying to take you down, then you might want to check your salvation. Because things going against you is a sure, sure sign of, of you doing right says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But through, all, but through Christ I can do all things. 
with His Holy Spirit, I can do all things. The flesh might be weak, but if I do my part, and I'm the best Christian that I can be, and I strive to follow God, and we have to do that every day. Every day we have to resubmit our flesh because our flesh gets out of hand. And that's okay because it's, it's natural, it's normal, but we can't allow that to control our lives. We have to be sure that we resubmit our flesh every day. We have to die daily. That's what Paul said. It says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So Paul tells us that what he wants to be is always confronted with who he is. What your spiritual man wants to be is always confronted with what you are in the flesh. It's always confronted. And you will constantly be warring on the inside. And that's okay. That's okay to war. Don't ever get to a place where you get tired of fighting. That's a very slippery slope. And if you just begin to Walk down that path, it won't be long, and you'll be completely backslidden. There's always a war in your flesh. There's always a war between your flesh and your spiritual man. And then Paul says this, he says, O wretched man that I am. O wretched man that I am. If we could just get a hold of that. A wretched man that I am. I see sometimes in churches, people's been doing this thing for years and years and years, and they forget that at one time they were an old wretched man. Don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget where God brought you from. If we ever lose sight of where God brought us from, it's not too long and we'll start being unfaithful. And we'll stop thanking Him and we'll stop trusting Him. And we think we can do this thing on our own, but I'm here to break the news to you. You can't do it on your own. Because there's no good thing in our flesh. It says, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then Paul goes on and he confirms what we go to church to hear. He says, I thank God through the man, Jesus Christ our Lord. We look at Jesus and we look at his life and, and we can glean things from Jesus' life on how to act and how to treat others. He's the master teacher. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. God has great things in store for those that serve Him. His children. 
And going to church, just going to church, not being involved, not doing anything else but showing up and just warming a seat is not, is not, is not your license. Romans 3 tells us, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by what? His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Thank God for the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Thank God for what he did on Calvary. I I just can't get away from that. Thank God for what he did on Calvary. If you just stop and think, thank God for what he did on Calvary. Thank God for what he did on Calvary. Because it's that action that we can sit here today unbothered and we can sit and we can take and we can listen and, and, and he can change our lives right here tonight. Church, if there's one main point to my message tonight, you have to get rid of sin out of your life. All of it. Anything that has any ties to sin, we have to get rid of it. Because we're not strong enough in our flesh to fight that off. It's only by the Holy Ghost that we even have a chance. And the Holy Ghost doesn't do it all for us. We still have to put forth an effort. And if we ever get tired of fighting, God forbid that we ever get tired of fighting. We have to stop entertaining sin and that anything that has any ties to sin. If you entertain sin, it's not long before it starts to creep into your life. I know it sounds like it beating a dead horse and we understand that, that sin is the whole thing that we fight against as Christians, but... I don't think that you can ever get to the point of where you don't need to hear it again. I think each and every one of us need to hear it again. Sin will come into your life and it will destroy people. I was listening to a message one time. The preacher was telling a story about about a man that went to his church. And he said, this man came from broken home. He got into church young. He got married. Began to be involved. I believe he even said that he was a youth pastor at one time. And he had stacks of CDs that were messages. That's what he liked to do. He liked to listen to preaching and he had stacks of CDs that he listened to all the time. And sin creeped into his life. And the preacher said, I was there when I got the news that the young man was dead. He said, I I showed up to the scene. He said, and the young man The young man was dead, slouched over the CDs of preaching that he listened to all the time. He said he was there when 
they had to pull his wife and their eight-month-old baby out of the house because she was so horrified at what she saw. The wages of sin is death. And if we let things creep into our life, we could be another statistic just like that. We can't ever get tired of fighting sin. And anything that has ties to sin, we have to get rid of it. We have to remove it from our life. And if we can't remove it by ourselves, we better hit the altar and have God help us do it. We have to be spirit-led. When he says to move, you better move. When he says to stay, you better stay. You don't want to be out of the will of God. Going through something but being in the will of God is a hundred times better than being carefree but out of the will of God. I don't ever want to be out of the will of God. You take, you take Noah, for example. I heard a message. I believe Brother Runyon has heard it too. It's called The Stink or the Storm. And the whole message was talking about what Noah had to go through inside the boat. Could you imagine having to live in a boat with a bunch of animals for 40 days, 40 nights? But that's a whole lot better than the alternative. See, changing the way that we live is a whole lot better than the alternative. Changing the way that we dress, that's a whole lot better than the alternative. Changing the way that we talk, changing the way that we treat other people, changing the way that we live in general is a whole lot better than being able to live however you want to and to receive your reward in eternity of of fire. I wish somebody would just get that down in their soul tonight. I wish that the church would get that down in their soul. We have one goal, the primary goal, the reason everybody is sitting in here right now is to make heaven. And if we ever lose sight of that goal, it's not going to be long and we're just going to be out in the world again and we're going to be broken and destroyed and our family is going to fall apart and and all these things are going to happen to us. Because there's no good thing in the flesh. In the flesh dwelleth no good thing. So we can't ever take our eyes off of what the goal is. We can't ever take our eyes off of heaven. And I don't feel that's preached enough in church today. If we can just get that down in our soul, we can't ever take our eyes off of heaven. When things get hard, we just got to look back and say, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. When, when we walk the streets of gold, it's going to be worth it all. Everything that anybody ever said to me, it doesn't matter because it's worth it all. When we get into those, when we get through those gates, it's not going to matter what happens here. It's not going to matter how you dress here. It's not going to matter how you talk here. It's not going to matter how you live here because it's going to be worth it all. God forbid that we let sin come to lie, come alive in our lives. Because heaven's going to be worth it all. Shame on us if we ever squander the chance to make heaven. Shame on us if we ever give up. And we can even see in the New Testament that 
that even Christ the man, how many know that Christ was fully man and fully God? Christ the man was struggling with what his fate was. You can look back over a prayer and it's recorded in the New Testament and and it says, If it be your will, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But if it's not, he says that he's going to endure it. See, even Christ, even, even Christ's flesh, he was, he was sent here for the very thing that he had to go do. And when it got close to that time, his flesh still didn't want to do it. And there's many times that our flesh doesn't want to do things, but we just have to put our flesh back in subjection. Could you imagine where we, we wouldn't even be here if Christ would have given to his flesh? If he would have said, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. But he endured the pain, and he endured everything that he needs to endure just to complete what he needs to complete so that we can live, so that we can have life. How selfish of us would it be to just give up on that and walk out? How selfish would that be? There's people in here that have other people looking up to them. And they're watching every move that you make. Don't let them down. Some of you have grandchildren, some of you have children, and they're watching every move that you make. And if you're not show if you're not helping to pull them closer to Christ, you're pushing them farther and farther away. Especially children, I understand now because I have a child of my own. But everything that I do is going to be watched. And I have to make sure that I'm presenting that example. And there's people in here that's got grandkids. Brother Ken, you've got grandkids that are watching everything that you do. Don't let them down. And there's other people in here that has the same thing. And and we can't be so selfish to think that this is all about us because it's not about us. It's not about us at all. O wretched man that I am. O wretched man that I am. I don't want to forget where God brought me from. O wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this death? Christ can save you from this death. He can save you tonight. The only one standing in the way is your own self. Stand with me. Musicians can come. I'm coming to a close. A wretched man that I am. To give you an idea just how weak your flesh is. Paul talks about how what he would do, he does not. What he wouldn't do, that's what he does. Because the sin is so strong that it just overpowers its flesh like it's, it's not even there. How many can be, can be real and say that you've been there? 
I've been there. Something happens, you do something. And later on, you think, that wasn't me. That wasn't, what am I doing? That wasn't me. That's because sin lives inside. And we have to fight that every day of our lives. But God forbid we ever get tired of fighting against sin. There's a whole lot more people in this world that could could experience what we experience. And I think that we should just be grateful that, that we get to come into this place every Sunday and every Tuesday and we can just and we can just magnify him. And we can just call ourselves child of the king. How fortunate are we to be able to come into this place and to just lift him up. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. I have nothing to offer Christ. There's nothing that I have to offer. Anything that I have, it doesn't, it doesn't do Christ justice. There's nothing that I could offer Christ. And the beautiful thing about that is, is he doesn't require anything of you but obedience and your love. He just wants, he wants you to love him like he loves you. And I think that's a really small thing to ask, considering that he died for us. That he, he washed away our sins, made us pure, made us holy. I hope that we never get tired of serving God. I pray that we count it a blessing every day that we open our eyes and get just another chance just to serve Him. Then I pray that this church goes and they represent Christ well. There's enough people trying to stain Christianity and there's been a lot of people that's done a pretty good job. It's to the point of where If you say you're a Christian, you can almost feel people and their judgment on you because they think that Christians are hypocrites. Don't prove them right. We have to live like we have the Holy Ghost. We have to be spirit-led. Sin in our life is unacceptable. And instead of casting stones, why don't we just help each other get it out? Why don't we help each other get rid of sin? Why don't we love our church? Why don't we support our church? Why don't we represent Christ well? How about we show the world what it means to be a child of the King? The church has so much to offer for the rest of this world if they would just open their eyes. Treat people like Christ would. I know it's kind of funny. You hear the saying, what would Jesus do? But really, I think that you should stop and think about that sometime. What would Jesus do? 
before you get upset and you start yelling at somebody, would Jesus do something like that? Is that conversation going to matter tomorrow? Is that conversation going to matter next week? There's a lot of things in this world that can get us distracted from, from the main goal, and the main goal is making heaven. There's a lot of things, and I'm, I'm not going to give the devil credit for that. I feel that we hear that a lot. It, well, the devil, no, not the devil. Your flesh. It's not the devil, it's, it's your flesh. We give the devil way too much credit. I think a lot of times we, we believe that the devil is omnipresent like God, and that's not the case. He can't be everywhere at the same time. So if he's picking on you, he can't be picking on me because he can't be everywhere all at the same time. It's our flesh that we wrestle against. We wrestle against, we wrestle between what we want to be and what we are. And that fight can be won only by the help of the Holy Ghost. So if you have the Holy Ghost, I think that you should be very, very, very thankful for the Holy Ghost. These altars are open. Church, if I could leave you with anything, we have to be careful around sin. Because we can see, we can stand here all night and go over scenarios that's happened to people because they just got out of church. They got tired of fighting with, with whatever they were fighting with. And sin comes in and destroys family. It causes divorces. It causes kids to turn on parents. And it causes, it causes all kinds of crazy messed up things. And it can all be avoided if we just hold to God's unchanging hand. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Oh, wretched man that I am. I can't do this without him. I wonder if if somebody could just get that down in their soul. I can't do this without him. Without him, I am nothing. For him to increase, I have to decrease. have anything super deep. I didn't have anything super deep for you, but but I feel that it's needful. Because I'm nothing without Christ. If we ever get to the point of where we think that we can do this on our own, you are sadly mistaken. So this altar is open.